Hello and welcome. It's a Friday. We're back. Uh, I say that, but we weren't here last Friday for various reasons. So <laughs> we'll just pretend this is last Friday, particularly because that was my birthday. So I get two birthdays out of it. So it's great. Uh, happy birthday, me, for the second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, happy belated birthday. And and happy hello to <laughs> Chase Carter and Wills. Hello. Happy hello to you too, Matt Jarvis. And happy <laughs> one week later birthday. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you both for, for being on this week. It's good to, to see you both. That's all right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, for those who those who might be new to this podcast, uh, we, we chat about board games. We chat about a bit of everything. Uh, we chat about the kind of latest headlines from this week. And... We play our latest little game, uh, which we've got coming up later uh, on this episode, which will be interesting. It's always interesting. It's always, enter- it's always entertaining. It's mo- they're, they're mostly entertaining. Can I just check? No, nobody else is prepared for it, right? <laughs> I have done, like all things, I've done the minimal amount of prep mm-hmm. to make it seem like I prepped for yes. a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. You just you you make it until you can fake it. Uh, all right, uh, let's let's get into it. Uh, if you're in the chat, hello, uh, welcome for. Well, I say welcome. Thanks for joining us, even uh, on this Friday. Hope you're doing well out there. If you're in the UK, hope you're looking forward to a longer bank holiday mm. weekend, uh, the last hurrah of the summer. Chase, uh, do you know what that means? Uh, it means I don't work on Monday. That's yeah, what it means. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that matters. Cheers to that. Uh, If you have any questions, we'll be answering some questions later on in this podcast, as we always do. Um, So drop them in the chat. Uh, If you are listening to this on Catch Up or on audio, you can drop us some questions to podcast at dicebreaker.com. We have some in, but we'll pick some more from the chat. If you just want to ask about anything, ask us about board games or ask us about whatever you want. We were chatting about music before we got in here. So at some point, we might just make this a music podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stream Montero. Uh, let's, we won't get into that again. We had enough of that on the stream <laughs> yesterday where you were setting off people's robots in their home. <laughs> uh, let's get into it, shall we? Chase, uh, you haven't been on in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So let's let's throw over to you. What have you, what have you been up to? You've been playing anything? Been watching anything? Doing anything? Oh, man, yeah. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of everything. Uh, I'll start with the games I've been playing. Um, the first one, which I wrote about on the site earlier this week, is Archives of Alexandria. It's yeah. a game by uh, Will Yopst and uh, Adam Bess over at World Champ Game Company. Uh, they work together pretty often. The last time they got together, they did Campfire, which I also wrote about on the site, if you want to check it out. Um, it's sort of like a horror game. But this one is specifically a two-player game. Um, that uses your phones or some other device, anything that can access wikipedia.com, the internet's encyclopedia. Um, the internet's so, biggest music nurse. <laughs> the internet's uh-huh. own Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wikipedia internet as the, uh, I guess, if we're going to use like the anime last name convention that people use. Um, but So in Archives of Alexandria, both players uh are these two they're called bibliotechs you're like sort of like archivists on this ship that contains all of human knowledge and it's sort of like a ship for posterity hurtling through space and it's become infected there is a virus corrupting the ship and uh all is lost and you need to get out and the way you do that is by trying to get at the end of the game make it to the same wikipedia page that's how you know Mm -hmm. that like the two have brought their keys to the escape pod and are able to like get out. Otherwise, you're just trapped on this ship for all eternity. The way this plays out is really interesting. Both players will start off on a, like a, a random Wikipedia page. You just hit a random article. Um, I've got a random wiki page. Good, good to go. Yeah, and so um, once you do that, 
you have to use the information on that Wikipedia page to sort of like role play or describe a scene of you running through the Alexandria. So whenever I played with my partner, I got like it was called like the the Muskrat 404. It was like an airline character carrier that was invented back in World War II. Um, and so I described a scene where like my bibliotheque got on this flying vessel and took off into the air over like a sea of data. And like the klaxons were drowned out by the uh, sound of engines uh, on whatever this thing was, trying my best to evoke a ship, an airline ship, something like that, without saying any of the words that are in the title. That is strictly forbidden. And you're like, okay, cool. So you just have to like describe this page. Except once you do that, both players have to then click a link on that page and continue forward. Mm. You're never hitting a close target. That target is always moving. And so when the next person does it, they have to describe their scene. And so every time you describe it, you have to make sure that you give enough information that your partner can sort of glean where you're going, but you can't be so exact that they just like go where you are and don't continue forward because otherwise they're going to be two steps behind you. So it's this interesting dance about like not being too explicit, but understanding also like, how does your partner think, right? Like, it's like whenever you're playing any other cooperative game where there's hidden information like this, you need to sort of like try to sync up. You need to hit that drift um, so that you're both thinking the same thoughts. And then that would be okay if you get that, except there are three phases and each phase, the number of links you have to click goes up. Then you have to click two links. And in the third phase where it gets tense as heck, you have to click three. Imagine trying to describe a thing and then hope that your partner in three links also ends up on the same page as you um it's frantic there were multiple times where my partner and i like knew we knew we were like within two links of each other like i was describing the un as like this like room of chairs all facing each other there's like frustration in the air stuff like that And they're like I-, I could see them just like nodding their head vigorously i'm like okay we got it we got it and then we ended up like at the end of it, they had New Orleans and I had communism or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and we died and we died in the ship. Uh, anyway, it's a very fun game. Um, it, it took about an hour to play. You don't need anything but like a coin or something to just sort of decide 50-50 who goes. And then two devices with internet to access Wikipedia. I, it's, it's so simple, but the framing and the way that it uh, deploys that hidden information to really like get the tension going as those phases really ramp up uh, it's just beautiful it's simple but evocative and i think like you don't have to know a whole lot about you know rpgs or playing anything to just really have a good time doing this so yeah that was yeah, that's, that's one amazing. this um, sounds amazing i'm also sat here uh racking my brain looking oh, at yeah, the what Wiki- did you what did you get i'm looking at the wikipedia page for serbian footballer bogdan stemonkovic <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I have no idea where to go from there. <laughs> oh man, um, I already learned that like some of the best things to do is to hit like countries or mm-hmm. like you know big political entries because you'll have just this wealth of links to mm. click on. Like it, it just it's like a it's like an intersection with a lot of streets coming off of it. It gives you a lot of avenues to explore, but that can also be overwhelming. Um, all right. So beyond that, I've also been playing. Uh, I feel like I'll leave Avatar Legends uh, for you, Matt. I'm running that game for a couple people, you included. So we can talk about that when we get around to you. Um, I've also been ca- playing a game called Beyond the Rift. This I found, this is this was actually recommended to me by some readers and uh, designers that I follow because I was looking for a game that evoked Hollow Knight. 
Hmm. Um, I was watching some like uh, this was a couple weeks ago. There were some big game announcements coming out. And I'm like, are they going to bring a Silk Song? Like, I'm just like, I'm always hungry for Silk Song news, the follow up to Hollow Knight. And so I was like, come on, guys, where are like the where are the like the tabletop games that show me playing Hollow Knight? I really want that experience. And someone recommended um, a game called uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, um, Beyond the Rift, which is by uh, Deep Anyway, I believe. Um, and it's meant for three players, but can be played solo. And it describes like this. I mean, it is it is Hollow Knight in all but name, um, at least in the way that it's described. You are um, like a, a, this hero um, called an Echo that can die and come back. They were already dead. They're sort of like a memory ghost in this place that is nothing but memory constructed. And you go down into the depths and you chart your 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 discoveries. You come across these keys that will unlock doors to bring you deeper in. And all the time you are drawing a map on like a like I got like a bullet journal and I was drawing a map as I go into each place. You pick a card from like an oracle, depending on the suit and what you draw, it describes what you come across. Sometimes there are dangers. Sometimes it's just an empty space where civilization used to be and now it's nothing but its echoes. And so you just have to like walk through this dark area. And it's really evocative of the tone of a game like Hollow Knight and other sort of those moody Metrovanias. <laughs> I will say that it does get like a, it, it, if you're playing solo, it requires a lot of work and a lot of like mental strain on one person. Cause there's essentially three roles. There's like a storyteller, there's the adversary, someone who plays, replays like all the things you come across. And then the echo itself, which is like the player character in something like Hollow Knight. And I like it. I like everything it's doing. I think it would just be a lot more interesting if I had three players to sort of split that mental mm. load. Um, so I'm going to continue picking away at it. Uh, but if you are also looking for something like Hollow Knight, try it out. I think it's wonderful. I think it, it, it would be a great moody way to like get into that. If you know of anything else that maybe allows me to just sort of explore and have fun, uh, please recommend. I'm going to continue this sort of uh, journey of finding the game that sells me Hollow Knight, but physically, you know. Yeah, that's interesting because I suppose like there are elements of something like like a Dark Souls alike uh, in that kind of like crumbling civilization way, but yeah, Hollow Knight isn't just Dark Souls with bugs. So yeah, that's I do, uh... I do think like rogue rogue light as a genre I think is really untapped when it comes to RPGs because I love the idea of like throwaway PCs that like keep perishing, but you have this kind of overarching progression that they're mm. all sort of sharing. And I, I I don't think I've seen much of that. I th there's, there's stuff where you have like, <laughs> you know, like a city or something that they're, they're building as they go through it. Almost like, you know, Frosthaven or something like that, right? Where it's like you're gradually improving the the place that you're coming back to. Um, but I don't really see, yeah, I don't see that a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry for the cough that I still have in the RPG space, which I, I think is really untapped. And to be honest, uh, I might just make something. So. <laughs> yeah, just... Um, I guess like cool like Call of Cthulhu and some horror RPGs have more kind of fragile <coughs> like player characters, but not they don't don't have that progressive kind of like you've just replaced them if they yeah I, th there aren't many horror. games that I know of where your character is designed to die and come back come mm. back again you know like there's there's ones in which like oh it's really hard and your character may die at any point but then I, I haven't seen much framework in which the game is built around that and it's designed yeah. to be able to re to react to that sort of thing. Um, which I think would be really interesting. I did see for that sort of Hollow Knight vibe, um, there is there's a game that I was researching a while back that never made it into a video, which is a GMless one. I, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but you have 
I think you have like exactly four players around a table and then you play as a character, the person opposite you plays as like your antagonist and the mm-hmm. person to the left and right play as like, you know, like important characters in the story or something like that. And you keep rotating around uh, each other's stories and like swapping roles as you play. Hmm. Uh, you play as like sort of like almost like Arthurian knights, but in like a world of, you know, like the moon is the big bad or something. And like, you know, it's it's very cool. It's very thematic. It opens with like this massive poem. Like it's <laughs> it's it's very, very hench. Um, but it's a really, really cool game. And I wanted to give it a go, but it's it, it like has that vibe for me of like sort of doomed knights um and uh like crumbling worlds with with big adversaries that seem completely un- unattainable to to defeat mm. um there are there were several games that were recommended to me uh i'm sorry i cannot remember them uh <laughs> but if you check my twitter you can find them i will continue to try them out um yeah i really am interested in kind of finding this one to scratch that itch and two you're i think Wheels, you're right. These games exist, and I know I've come across them. Yeah. I'm sorry that nothing's coming to mind. But I think that's just a really cool idea and feeling to explore in a physical game, like in a tabletop RPG. So we just had a recommendation, actually, from Chris Longhurst in the chat. He says, there's a game called Phoenix Dawn Command. Uh, <laughs> and as a phoenix, death is not the end of your story. So apparently you level up by dying. That's like oh, the, okay. the key mechanic, which, I yeah, I think that's really yeah, that's, cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. Very like Hades vibes. Oh, the art is fantastic, actually. Give that a Google. It looks lovely. Mm. <laughs> might, okay, have a, yeah. might have a look around on that. Yeah, I'm going to add that. to. I'll add it to the list and I'll give it a try. Um, so let's see. Beyond that, I also am playing. I just got into this. I'll just talk about it a little bit. This might end up on the site if I really like it. Um, it's this game called Lysergia. It's by uh, Cesar Capaco. I'm sorry if I'm getting your name wrong. A Brazilian developer um it is the tagline is a surreal fantasy experience and it is going to be immediately sort of antagonistic to folks um because it 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 doesn't it wants to break the sort of trend of productivity in playing a game where you have like a task a goal Mm -hmm. there is something you need to do this is a game that really wants you uh the first line is this is a surreal game about the absurd of imagination you draw a map using like 3D6s. Everything is sort of using 3D6s. You draw a map, you place this location, uh, you use like sort of like this table of oracles to decide um, a sort of like story prompt. And then you just do stream of consciousness, sort of like poetic writing. It is meant to be like, make as little sense as possible, sort of Dadaist description of where you are in the in this space and what you encounter. And then when you get to the end of like two paragraphs, ask a question based on what you found and then use that prompt, that question prompt to further send you down the story. And then when you feel like you've gone far enough down, you get a little memento from these like pieces of abstract art and you cut one piece out and you glue it to your totem, which is just this sheet of like boxes. And then you draw connections between those different pieces of like abstract art to create this, your totem, which is your safe place in this world where you sort of come to collect your thoughts. So the whole game is narrativizing this sort of like escape from like needing a task and a goal in RPGs, which is something that, especially when I'm playing solo games, I do tend to like rely on like Mm. what is pushing me forward? What is the, what is the, what is the quest here? What is the thing I'm striving towards? And then I'll feel in the sort of gaps in between. This game really challenges you to just like throw all that in the garbage and just 
let the creativity spigot flow and whatever comes out, that's what you work with. And it's beautiful regardless of how nonsense it may be, which is an interesting concept. And I, I think it's something I'd want to explore. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I was going to say, like, it's like in board games as well. I feel like there are open world board games, but they always have mm -hmm. that sense of at the end, you then just rack up your points. Like, I, right. I, I'm struggling to think of that many games that are just like truly open ended and are kind of like you're there for just the like just just the journey, really, because it doesn't matter where you end up at the end. Mm -hmm. There are so many interesting open world things where it's like, oh, like Western Legends, you can go play poker, you can go, you know, hunt down bounties or Russell Castle. But then at the end, you still are pursuing victory points. So it feels like, like you say, there's always productivity kind of driving what you're doing. Yeah. You're not yeah. doing it just for the sake of doing it and seeing the experience. Yeah. I mean, even in like story games and like solo RPGs, something that I know wheels you you do you just did a stream this week uh playing mm -hmm. uh um one that was incredible Boy, Tanif, yeah yeah Nevin Holmes. yeah very good game um that's, that was a good stream too uh folks should, should go check it out but even in those games like there is like a narrative end point and start point right mm -hmm. you kind of know the arc of the story in this like it is just you walking around this sort of surrealist paradise uh and seeing what comes across like the 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 play uh explanation is about walking into a cafe and there's a flamingo that insults the the bartender in some way and then tears fall from the sky and then you walk out having had an experience and feeling a little bit better and then you mark a flamingo on your map and that's all just because like you just sort of like start from a place and just let your mind wander and i tried it a little bit and i will say while i'm not sure i did anything great i came out of it thinking differently about the game and so i think if you are in a rut with story games solo rpgs or board games as matt said give this game a try because i think it will help clear the creative pipe so to speak mm. you know it shunts your brain into a new way of thinking about both right creating a story and playing games that might be refreshing so that's mm. lysurgia you can find it it's uh near the top on itch i think still if you want to search like physical games there yes we've we've all played wonder home right because I feel like I got some similar feelings from Wonder Home. Yeah. Kind of like you're saying, Chase, about uh, La Sergio. I appreciate the kind of open-ended storytelling nature of that because you don't have like a fixed character. You can kind of take control of anyone and it's not, it's just kind of like you're there for the world and you can, I forget the name of the system or the uh, the format, the genre that it falls into. But it was the first one of those that I had played and it was kind of similar to... I think it's Belonging Outside Belonging. That's yeah, or, yeah. or no dice, no masters. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think I personally struggled without the kind of more, like, mm. conventional storytelling structure because mm. it was kind of like, uh, what do I do? Like, what, <laughs> what, what am I aiming for here? Like, yeah. I can it. It's almost like seeing everything right and being unable to make a choice because yeah. at yeah. some point I just need someone to give me free options. Mm. And yeah, I really like, I enjoyed it, and I kind of really respected it. I think it's like a a really well put together game but i think for me personally it was just very kind of uh yeah it really kind of threw me off my axis in terms of what i what i understand by my uh experience of playing role-playing games it was yeah. it was interesting but um so that's all i've been playing uh, i've been going for a while i got other stuff i've been watching and stuff but we can get to other folks so we can yeah. I've been, I feel like I know this because I'm just not on here very often, but I always feel like, dang, Chase, you're talking so much. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you've not been on here with Alex Meehan, don't worry. <laughs> it's a podcast. It's all talking. Um, 
Yeah, so I guess to continue on, I also picked up outside of the realm of tabletop and board games. I play, I started playing Psychonauts two, which just came mm. out. Um, I don't know if either of you are Psychonauts fans. I or... so I've played the first one up to like a certain point. You know, one of those games mm. where you're just like, I got really far, and then for some reason I quit, so I can't be able to start again. So yep. I think I will just jump in at number two and just watch the recap. Um... Yeah, it's got a it's got a beautiful recap. You won't need to have played or remembered anything about yeah, Psychonauts. because I, I absolutely didn't play whatever it was, the Rhombus of Ruin or whatever. Oh, the, the VR game? Yeah. Yeah, is it a VR yeah. game? I don't know. Anyway, it's a VR game. The, what, whatever the... We, me and Matt were talking about this, but like the, the Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker of the series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, I started that. I'm about three or four hours in. Um, it is... I mean, it's Psychonauts. Like, if you enjoyed that first game, this is... It's more of that. Um... It does feel at the beginning like a game that has been in development for six years. Mm. Um, that first sort of introductory level is a bit slow in kind of giving you all of your tools and sort of like, hmm, how do I want to say this? Justifying the existence of a sequel. It was hard not to feel like, is this just going to be Psychonauts 1 again with a bit more polish, right? And where I am now, it's starting to open up and it's starting to do bigger and better things. It's starting to like really expand the creative potential of what a sequel could do, like, you know, a Psychonauts made in 2021 could actually do. And so I think I'm like, I'm, I'm interested. The characters are fantastic. Listen, Double Fine has always been really good about creating uh, a really interesting cast of characters that are playing mm -hmm. off each other. That's half, that's half the reason I play any Double Fine's games is for that sort of like Schaefer-esque humor, which is always fun and never cruel. And uh, uh, just see the characters interact and be goofy. But I think it's starting to like actually introduce some like mechanical things and level design that is going to like really sell me on putting another, you know, 10 to 20 to 30 hours, however much it takes this game to beat it. Um, so I don't have any like final thoughts. I'm interested. It's on Game Pass, the best deal in video games right now. So like, honestly, like if you have it or if you're thinking about getting Game Pass, that's all the reason you need. Just go try Psychonauts. Look, I know we're not a video game website, but it <laughs> continues to baffle me how many people have not bothered to just pick up Game Pass. I yeah. know, like, obviously there are people who are in financial situations where they can't afford it, but if you've got, like, a couple of quid spare a month, you can get four billion games for free, oh, essentially. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, game Pass is amazing. Go grab it. Uh, and then I've been watching. I got... So a friend of mine gave me their Funimation login, um, mm. and so I started watching a bunch of uh, a bunch of anime uh, because, like, the way I work, since I'm based in the U.S., my partner works a regular U.S. job. None of these like British summertime hours. <laughs> so I have about four hours after I finish working before they get home, and a lot of the times, especially because it's a hundred degrees Fahrenheit in Texas right now, I will lay on the couch and watch anime um, during that downtime. And so I've been picking up some series that I've meant to finish, some old things. I went back and watched Paranoia Agent. And my gosh, what a, just, mm, just, mwah, what See, a wonderful anime. I'm very envious because I love Satoshi Kon, but we can't mm -hmm. watch Paranoia Agent here in the UK. It's not available on Funimation. Oh, so no. I've watched, I think I've watched every other Satoshi Kon, like, Phil, because Paranoia Agent is his only series, I think. Is that, it's, it's, is this is the person behind perfect blue and perfect blue yeah. And stuff, right? yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I do kind of want to give that a go because like that's like, it's one of the good animes Paprika <laughs> <laughs> is just inception before inception yeah exactly and, yeah uh yeah and i mean paranoid agent is like 
all the good bits of Satoshi Kon like put into a series. It's what I think 13 episodes. So, you know, that sweet spot of an anime series. Um, yeah, it's super great. I mean, I watched it. It was one of those things uh, growing up because I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s whenever like, you know, Funimation was on at least American television. And so like late at night, I would catch one episode of Paranoia Agent somewhere in its run. It was always a random episode. And I was just like transfixed. Like, what is going on? I would wait up every night to see if they were going to air another one before it got to the four hour Inuyasha block. Um, and yeah, just what an incredible series. It's like fraught with all of this like uh like economic and social tension that was going through japan in like the early 2000s um it has to do with like you know popular culture like sort of like uh co-opting um this sort of like uh, the space that is the the space in like the the sort of national psyche that i think in 2021 as we go through like as people sort of turn to popular culture something like the marvel cinematic universe to like escape the real world but then often that going a bit too far and people sort of like relying on that too much to escape reality it really de delves deep into those sort of like tensions and those sort of anxieties in a really interesting way um it's also funny it's well animated it's incredible i don't know like i i i'm gonna be effusive in my praise it's just a super great series i really enjoyed going back and watching it um it holds up so yeah if you can if you can pirate it sorry uk folks find a way <laughs> Sorry, Listen, capitalism. It's, it is, it's really hard to find because, like I say, it's it's been something I've been after for a while. As kind of someone, that yeah. Just, and I yeah. think I was reading that like the rights to like sell, like to produce the DVDs or Blu-rays are just gone, and it's hard. Like it's so it's expensive to find any physical copies too. Yeah, it's the it's this wild thing about nowadays with with Netflix and streaming platforms. Everything is so available, and yet so many things are just not available at all because they're just the licenses are lost in mm -hmm. some filing cabinet somewhere yeah so then physical media just diminishes and nobody bothers to reprint it because everybody assumes everything will be on streaming yeah yeah well and that's finally fun. yeah <laughs> happy friday so, sorry for the bait and switch but like man buy a plane ticket to the u.s uh in a year and then come and watch it probably cheaper you... than buying it on blu-ray yeah. to be honest <laughs> <laughs> i will give you my friend's funimation login and you can watch it Kind of like a Starbucks parking lot or something. Um, and then I started watching Sunny Boy, which is also on Funimation. Uh, it's a new one. Just came out this year. Uh, I'm only a few episodes in. It's interesting. It's sort of like a weird, speculative, like character-driven, weird show where this high school gets pulled out of reality and all the kids there have powers. And they're Ooh. trying to... It's a bit like Lord of the Flies mixed with the the sort of anime where teens all of a sudden get powers and then they have to like redefine social dynamics based on who has what powers and stuff like that so it's all about these teenagers having to deal with being teens and then also trying to restructure their own societal like relation to each other and of course as it's going through and as it like picks up each character in an episode it kind of goes back into like before this happened what were they doing? Why do they hate each other? What are these grudges or these like love interests or these like these histories that are making every interaction as they just try to survive in this weird new reality really fraught? Um, and it's it's honestly it's obviously going somewhere to some like big thesis like these shows always do. And I'm not sure where it's going to end up and whether it's going to be satisfying when it gets there. But I kind of like the way that it's. Uh, um, the way that it's working through all of these things, the way it's trying to investigate them. Like one student just invented Bitcoin um, 
as a way to like, cause like one person has a power where they can create anything, but it erupts into blue flame like 12 hours later, unless there's some sort of like exchange, like you have yeah. to exchange something for it. And so this character's like, yeah, everyone's still got their smartphones and for whatever reason they still work. So I've created like a digital currency that we can all use to uh, easily exchange stuff so that we don't have to, we can just skip right over bartering and go straight to Bitcoin or the blockchain or whatever. I hope it's not, I hope this show is not just like a big sort of like excuse to, to front. Thanks for watching everyone. Buy Bitcoin. They're decentralizing <laughs> the economy. It's tough. I, I'm sure Chase, you're the same. I just get endless press releases about different blockchain mm -hmm. things and different, mm -hmm. different Bitcoin competitors. And it is exhausting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It I, is I, super I, exhausting. Like, if you work in any media, it seems, no matter where, like, which career I've worked in and what I'm writing about, endless press releases about Bitcoin. It's the blockchain. new buzzword, isn't it? Blockchain. Mm. Yeah. It is funny that the episode that ends with the person in inventing Bitcoin is also the episode where the entire island they're on just burns to the ground. Might be a metaphor. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, anyway, that's Sunny Boy. Uh, it's on Funimation as well. I'm going to continue watching it. It seems really interesting. I, for something, so just for something old, something new. That's what I've been up to. Matt, something borrowed, something blue from you? Uh, I have been, well, actually, speaking of that, uh, I, I will just look at my list because I've immediately forgotten everything I played. I continue to play <laughs> Descent, which is definitely something old because it's been on like five podcasts now that I've been talking about <laughs> it. I continue to just get through that campaign so I can review it. I, st I still like it. Uh, yesterday we were painting, or I was painting the Bryn, one of the figures from it. I like the figures. Uh, I'm still enjoying it very much. Um, I played Imperium Legends, which is a deck builder from mm. I think a couple of months ago. From Osprey Games. And Imperium Classics is the other one as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think Liv uh, took Classics and I took um, Legends. And it is, it's good. It's quite heavy. It's very keyword heavy. Ah. So the the actual game isn't that complicated because it's a deck builder. You gain cards, you are building, it's a civilization game. You build up your civilization, you're trying to, you know, add various technologies and then by gaining resources, you can then advance your um, they're asymmetrical, so you can advance your asymmetrical civilization through uh, a development deck. So that then gives you new cards and gives you points and so on. You can add things to what they call your history, which kind of stores them and racks up points that way. Um, and then at the end of the game, you basically score depending on you know various scoring objectives. So it's like, okay, you need X number of cards that are city cards, mm -hmm. um, or you need X number of cards that are technology cards, things like that. Um, so my wife played the Atlanteans, so they played differently. They didn't have a history. They had a flooded deck. So you add cards to your flooded deck, but they also start because they are, you know, in, in the mythical sense of Atlanteans, they are kind of like an advanced civilization in terms of technology. So they didn't have to progress from, it, it does have a note about this in the rule book, but you start as like a quote barbarian empire. And then at some point you progress to a, I think utopian empire, something like that, or maybe just empire. But there's this sense of that you hit a point where you've developed enough technology where you leap forward in. Mm. Uh, and that lets you then play other cards. But the Atlanteans just start there. So they have kind of a different mechanical thing. Um, I was playing, I believe, the Egyptians. Um, which, uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. I think, like I said, there's a lot of keywords on those cards. And you have to, we found ourselves just constantly referencing the rule book. Um, it probably took us about two and a half hours to play, something like that. Um, I think we were interrupted at one point 
and it was i i have a real soft spot for civilization games i just like the the momentum of civilization mm. games i think just that sense of starting from like rudimentary technology and building up to i'm launching mm. a rocket to mars it's like a very fun satisfying loop for me um like a even avoid like combat stuff is never that fun in civilization games. It's just the sense of building up and up and up. Um, and this, it does that. Okay. It is largely just a heavy deck builder, um, with kind of a civilization theme on top of it. It's not super thematic. I think the only place that really comes in is in the asymmetrical, um, factions, which is interesting, but again, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is a, it's a well put together deck builder. It took quite a while to play. I don't think I would play it above. It's one of those games where it kind of, it's a deck building civilization game, but I don't think I would play it before other civilization games if I was after a civilization game. And I think if I was looking for a deck builder, I wouldn't necessarily play it as my favorite deck builder. Mm. So if you are looking for that very specific meeting of those two ideas, there's that. But then there's also things like Through the Ages, right? which is, you know, civilization card game. So <laughs> yeah. Like I say, I think it's a good game that I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I gl I'm glad I played this. I don't know if I'll play it again. Um, Do you think it's going to be one of those games where you have to, like, you're going to continue to reference the rule book so heavily as you did the first time? Or is it one of those games where after a couple of playthroughs, you're like, all right, I've, I've got this. I'm not going to need to reference very much at all. Towards the end, we were, we were kind of um, familiar enough with the terms. So, yeah. and it, it's one of those games where they, they seem to just swap out terms for the sake of trying to make it feel a bit more thematic. Mm. So you don't discard cards, you... Oh, gosh, I can't even think what they call them. But it's like some thematic word where... I ha and I we were like, what does that mean? It's like, oh, you discard them. Like, I know we're going to talk about this later, I think, but I had that big issue with Netrunner as well, where it was just like every single word that you have collectively come to understand, like deck, like discard, like whatever, were all like, here is a brand new word that we've invented because we can get it yeah. smaller on a card. <laughs> and it's just like, I get that. But also, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's different for each player as well. <laughs> yeah, that that makes it like, if each player also has their own set of like weird yeah. keywords that are, like, I feel like there's a critical mass for, it's like in writing, it's like there's only so many proper nouns you can throw yeah. into like a genre book before the reader's just like i'm out that's too much <laughs> yeah uh so yeah like i say i i kind of appreciate it but i think at a distance um but it's it's well produced the art's nice i believe it's from the miko i might be getting i believe it's the the miko who did the art for raiders of the north sea and so on mm, um, yeah so it's like slightly cartoony like very stylized it looks great and osprey are great with production values um, yeah but yeah, I think gameplay-wise, it was like, yeah, I enjoyed this, but I would probably play through the ages before this, or I'd play actual Civ or a different dev world. Uh, so yeah. Um, Wills, I'll leave you to chat about Hive. Uh, yeah. I also played Villainous with me and Liv. That should be coming out soon. We played the Marvel one. It, it's Villainous. Uh, but it's Marvel. <laughs> yeah, Villainous <laughs> is a good game. It's another asymmetric game where you play as the different villains, and they all have different objectives and kind of slightly different gameplay features. Um, it was fun, yeah. I like Villainous, but uh, I actually cleared while I was off last week. I cleared through my games, and Villainous Disney Villainous was one of the ones I got rid of. So it's kind of like I had my time with this. It was fun, but you know, I've I never been like I want to play Villainous. Yeah. Um, uh, Chase, you continue to run a game of Avatar Legends, the mm -hmm. RPG, um, for a group of uh, us involving, uh, including even uh, myself and Alex Mian. Uh, I'm enjoying that game still uh, a lot. 
Uh, we got into some combat in the last session, um, which I think you're kind of right up from last week or the week before. Does a, You're kind of spot on in terms of like combat could be a little bit smoother. It's not kind of... It tries to capture the sense of the show in that it's like very quick bursts where people are choosing a type of action before everything happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but at points, it's not as kind of... I think not as clear cut as it could be, which I'm hoping like the full rule book might spell it out a little bit more. There are a few times where I just found myself going like, okay, so that means I can do this and that means I can do this kind of move and how does that actually relate to what I want to do in this situation? Um, but Power by the Apocalypse continues to be just a, a brilliant system in general. I think combat is has never been where Power by the Apocalypse is strongest. Um, it tends to focus more on your moves outside of combat, which I think is in Avatar is the real highlight because they feel that's where you get that character development and kind of your storytelling beats. Um, And then the combat is kind of kept necessarily like a little bit lighter, Mm. uh, particularly in the quick start rules, which is what we're playing with. So, uh, Um, I spoke to just real quick. I spoke to Magpie this week. Uh, I should have a piece coming up next week uh, about my talks with them. Um, And just in the, in the course of it, they did say that there there's actually a, a second version of the quick start, which has a, some expanded, uh-huh. and then they're about to release a third version, like a version three that also kind of expands it a little bit more. So they have been like really building that system out. So I might check that out and see. I'm I'm not gonna like kind of like write anything more about it until it gets fully released. But if you if you have been playing and you kind of run the same problems that like, and I know Wheels, you've gotten some combat during the. Uh, the series yeah right? I, the problem is chase i hate all combat systems and i think they <laughs> they just shouldn't exist so like i'm probably mm-hmm. the wrong person to talk to about it my favorite well, rpgs are the ones that literally just say well yeah combat works the same as the rest of the game because why wouldn't it <laughs> right yeah um but in any case however your feelings it, once that new version comes out you can check it just to see if it maybe addresses the problems it sounds like it's not going to make a convert of wheels but uh <laughs> for everyone else uh yeah there will be some more expanded rules ahead of the new version or the full version coming out next year yeah but i'm, I'm still really enjoying those even in quick start form those rules i think are really satisfying obviously that world is incredible i think the rules do a really good job of kind of capturing the spirit of it. Like we had some really yeah. good story beats, oh, uh, which did. of course, thanks to, thanks to our wonderful GM. Um, <laughs> but I think the system also supports totally. a lot of those moments as well. So yeah, I think for the people who are fans of Avatar and Korra, it is a, it's kind of a really faithful way of doing it. It feels, you know, like they haven't just slapped it on top of an existing system. Yeah. That moment where one of our players wanted to do something. And then I was just like, there is a move just for this and they were like oh my gosh and they did it and then the scene the role-playing scene that it it resulted was beautiful and like both both players like thought about their characters in a different way after that move i was like ah this is like all of the gears hitting in just the right way and it's just like the skies opened up and you could see the intent behind all of the design just so clearly yeah it's really really good uh on that i i received a copy of monopoly builder which i haven't played yet and (laughs) i know i know monopoly but uh, this has kind of passed me by. It seems that it was kind of just uh, snuck out earlier this year. And it's basically Monopoly Catan, which is weird. It's not just, here's another Monopoly. I mean, it is, here's another Monopoly. But you, you, it's the Monopoly board. And then you build 3D skyscrapers in the middle. Hmm. And you collect resources. And when people roll certain results on dice, you receive resources, much like 
the popular board game Catan. Mm. So at some point I'm going to play it mostly out of curiosity to be like, what Hasbro, what have you, what have you done here? Hasbro? <laughs> what, what, what monster have you created from the combination of Catan and Monopoly? Um, it's, it's a really curious thing, but I looked at first glance, I was like, Oh, okay. Like cool. A Monopoly thing. Okay. Uh, and then I looked a little bit closer. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> this is a, a very strange thing. Um, so I'm not expecting it to suddenly turn me around on Monopoly. I don't think I'm the biggest kind of Monopoly hater out there, but I certainly am not itching to play it. But I'm wondering whether it will keep things quicker and make things a little more engaging, because it sounds like you'll have a bit more uh, player agency in terms of what you're collecting and how you spend it to build things in the middle. So, yeah, there we go. Um, outside of games, I continue to read Berserk. Uh, which whew, it's a uh, it's real hard going at points. I yeah, I've spoken about Berserk before. I actually had to pause because nearly all of the books were sold out, and so I was unable to find the fourth volume. So for mm. two or three months, I had to place multiple orders before having them cancelled due to no stock. Mm. Um, but I finally found a copy uh, from Germany, um, so I've managed to continue through. And yeah, I Berserk is a really fascinating thing. So those who don't know, um, it is a manga. Um, it's but it's almost quite literally the life's work of uh, a Japanese author illustrator called Kentaro Miura, who passed away earlier this year, which is kind of what spurred me to go and discover it. And it's this kind of highly influential dark fantasy series. Um, there are echoes of it in things like Dark Souls and even Final Fantasy, um, like a, a lot of kind of modern fantasy things, like I think Morkborg and Kingdom Death Monster. Anything that's got a wooden. giant sword in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, massive sword is like one of the hallmarks of Berserk. Um, but also it is it is very... Um, it's just very raw at points. Like, mm. it's incre- like, it's incredibly explicit, violent. There's a lot of um, like sexual violence. There's a lot of... Like, at points, it's genuinely, like, very distressing and uncomfortable to read. So I would... Anyone that's just thinking, oh, I like Dark Souls, I'll go pick this up. It is, you know, like, uh, it comes with a massive content warning. And I think there are problematic elements, like, Mm. especially in the earlier arcs, which were kind of like late 80s, early 90s. Like, there's a lot of stuff that has really not aged well and wouldn't have been, yeah, even at the time would not have been acceptable. Um, But going through it has been kind of a fascinating journey of recognizing its influence in modern day fantasy a lot of modern day fantasy um so yeah it's it's been a journey for, for sure it's yeah it's a a real kind of a trip to go through it and kind of just recognize like say uh where a lot of the things that i've been into for a while have come from um but then it also like say comes saddled with some very uh hard to swallow aspects um yeah uh, I watched Black Narcissus, the classic uh, Powell and Pressburger film. I did not like that film. It's very, very racist. It's like, it was one of those classics on my list. Like, oh, I'll watch this. Like, I've liked other Powell and Pressburger films. Like, I love um, uh, A Matter of Life and Death. Uh, and it was like, oh, wow, this is really, it's like set in Imperial India and there's the brown face in the film and someone at one point, one of the characters is literally like they're like children speaking about the the local um like indian residents of the village and it's it's just unaccepted like it's from 37 or something like that but even then again like it just 
I can't understand how anyone would watch this and be like, that's what classic cinema should be. It just... It's from the, the 1940s, bit. so a real <laughs> a real decade of racial equality. <laughs> mm. uh, so yeah, not good. I also rewatched Akira, speaking of anime. Um, Akira, a film that I remember not particularly liking. Sorry, anime fans. But you know what? I rewatched it and I was wrong. It's good. Damn right, yes. you were. Yeah. Yeah, I rewatched it. I don't know why I rewatched it, just on the spur of a moment, thinking... I'll try this again, and I was like, oh, oh, I made a huge mistake not liking this the first time around. I don't know why I didn't like it, but it's it's really good. Were you kind of like me the first time you watched it? Were you just a big shonen boy? And were just um, like, I don't know wh- wh- how you got started in anime, but whenever I first watched it, I was basically all of my influences were just very shonen sort of stuff. And so when it didn't really scratch those itches, I came away kind of disappointed. I see. I came into anime through basically watching Ghost in the Shell on VHS mm, repeatedly because that was the one videotape I owned, <laughs> or like one anime one film of, I one owned. One of the few good animes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Akira also very good. It turns out, but I think I came to it very late. I probably came to it as like a late teen or early twenties. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was. It wasn't really formative in my. Thing. And I don't know why I didn't like it. Like I say, I have no idea because it was about ten years ago. I probably last watched it. So what you should do? I'm man. glad I rewatched it is you should read the uh, internet phenomenon that is Akira, but with Simpsons characters. Um, there is an, I don't entire, know there's an entire redraw of the original manga um, where every single character has been replaced by one of the characters from The Simpsons, with Milhouse playing the um, uh, Akira himself or whatever. Yeah. Tetsuo, like the, the boy. Tetsuo, who, yeah, that's oh, the one. Like does, oh yeah. my gosh, that's incredible. And it's um, it's it's something. There, there's a video by um, uh, Super Eyepatch Wolf, who's a very, very good YouTuber from Ireland. Uh, and he does like a sort of deep dive into like the weird internet culture that was built entirely around just people who used to watch The Simpsons. And like Ooh. that is one of the like formative works. It's It's like a... It's 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 just wild. It's it's something you can't really understand until you see it. Like seeing this this giant flesh abomination with Millhouse's face on it. It's it's <laughs> it's bonkers, <laughs> but it's so good. All right. Well, I I I guess I'll go and like yeah. I there mean, you go, that Matt. sounds like the weird kind of thing I'd be into. It does sound um, like the weird kind of thing you'd be into. It's why I'm recommending yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's everything I've been up to. Wills, right. So I've not played many uh, board games this week. I have... So I played Hive with Matt for, mm. for, for the first time ever because we did a You've Never Played. Um, turns out I'm not not bad at it, actually. Yeah. did all right. Yeah. Um, nice. But it is like, like you said, Matt, it's one of those classics. Uh, one that just kind of missed me a little bit. Uh, for those not aware, it is kind of like... It's, it's very chess-like. You have white pieces and black pieces, but instead of having knights and castles and whatever, you have little bugs. So you've got an ant... <laughs> Pardon me. You've got an ant counter. You've got a, um, a grasshopper, a spider, and something else. Beetle. And a beetle. And, a um, and then every uh, every one of those counters, you have like I don't know. You've got like three of each or whatever. Um, they're all trying to surround the enemy's queen bee token, which you have one of, which is basically your king. Um, and if you can manage to completely surround their queen bee with whatever mix of, of counters of your color and their color. As long as the queen bee physically cannot move anymore, then you win. 
Um, but it's way more like there's no boards. You sort of build the board as you're playing because it's it's just little hexagonal pieces that you're putting down. So as you play, you're sort of like the first opening moves are you like forming the the battlefield almost. Like it's really it's really interesting. Uh, I think it's way more interesting than chess personally. <laughs> um, but I had a really really good time of it, <laughs> and it was definitely one of those things where it was like, oh, I can see why this has endured for so many years because, like, this is obviously just such a fantastic game. Um, oh, Arangafor actually just played for the first time last weekend as well, so there Ooh. you go. I think it is one of those things where it's like, you look at it and it's like, this is an abstract strategy game uh, in which you'll be playing with hexagonal bug pieces, and you're like, oh, nah, you're right, mate. But actually, when you play it, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's just like 15 minutes, too. Like, it's a yeah, it's yeah. quick game, right? And it's there's a pocket version that you can literally, it's like lovely. You just shove it in a little bag and take wherever mm. you want. Great for like a plane journey or a train, like, fantastic game. Yeah, loved yeah, it. I, Absolutely. And loved you, it. you don't need a board because you create the board as you mm-hmm. place the pieces. I think it is a, genuinely, like, and I don't use this term like I think Hive is like a board game I would describe as a literal masterpiece. Like, yeah. I think it is perfectly formed. Like the rules make sense, like the presentation of it, like the pieces are very pleasing to just like they're like chunky tiles. Mm. It travels well, but you know, you can teach it to someone, but there's a lot of strategy in there. I do really think it is, yeah, a real, real like standout game. I I think so Chris Longhurst just said I they find it really intimidating to play because it seems like I'm not going to be good at this. And I think I had that same sort of idea of like, oh, this is going to be like really chessy and like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to feel like an idiot when I play it. But in actual fact, I think it's not like, I don't know if it's just me and Matt have similar play styles where we just only play one turn in advance. But I think there's not as much sort of, here are the next eight moves I'm going to do. Like, it felt very reactive to me. Like, it was like, okay, Matt has blocked up this pass, so I've got, like, an opening here, but I'm worried he might do that, so I'll do this instead. And, like, you've got that nice thing as well of if there's no good move on the board, you can just take another counter and put it down. Like, until you run out, you've just, you're just like, okay, I'm just going to give myself another option here. So I think there's um, there's definitely, like, little things. Like, the, we, we both, like put our beetles on top of each other's queens which is like a sort of big move you know like there are a few things where it's like okay cool like once you understand that that's a good play that seems like a powerful thing to do every time but Mm. it's definitely one of those things where i think you can just sort of like play in the moment and be a bit reactive with it which makes it really good um apart from that i've been reading up on um, you must know about this chase there is because i wanted to play magic the gathering with zoe zoe's not super into like competitive card games there is a co-op version of Magic the Gathering called Horde, um, mm. in which you fill a deck with, like... Uh, obviously, it was zombie-themed to begin with, so you fill it with, like, tokens and then, like, spells, and basically you keep playing cards until you hit a token, at which point you spawn one or whatever. And you just have to get through the deck without either of you dying. Um, and it looks really fun. So I've literally just been reading up on the rules, but I don't know how to get that many zombie tokens <laughs> to be able to build one. So I, to be honest, I think the Forgotten Realms packs have probably got quite a few zombies in them. But yeah, it, I'm struggling to think how, how I can build one of those decks. So open to advice. So uh, some advice I have to you is if you have like a local game store nearby or if you want to order some online, most game stores that I've been to will sell packs of like like token like blank tokens oh, okay. and there are even some that uh will fit dry erase or wet erase markers so you can draw a token on there for whatever purpose and then if you want to reuse them you say you're you're tired mm-hmm. of hoarder you want to do like dragons as zombies 
swipe them all down and then draw some dragons on there instead mm. um and they right. fit inside they fit inside sleeves you can just like build a deck like that and they're fairly at least in my store they're like fairly cheap and they come in like packs of 60 or 100 for whatever your purpose so that might be and then if you or zoe are artistically inclined you can have some good fun drawing oh, yeah. zombie tokens you know that's like a fun Stinky way to get invested zombies. in the game yeah <laughs> for sure i think that might be a good if i mean it, the only other thing is like seeing if someone's selling just like stock tokens somewhere mm. yeah i mean yeah card season printing is obviously a good one i i think there's just like there's something about hitting a piece of paper rather than a card you kind of know what's coming do you know what i mean so yeah it's difficult to shuffle them almost but yeah no i think um i think i'm quite keen to try that because i've only ever played like standard magic and like brawl on arena which is basically right. just like crappy commander but i think i think i do want to like try a <laughs> yeah. few of the homebrewed sort of like game modes out because I-, I think that's where some of the magic is in magic um because a lot of a lot of the you like commander is like one of the most uh, popular things ever right and it's it's just something yeah. that's all made up you know i think sometimes magic can be as good as a, a tool as it is a game almost it's like there's all this stuff that you can just like build something out of rather than having to play with the uh with the legal rules um and apart from that the one other thing that i've been doing this week me and zoe have started learning how to skateboard <laughs> oh heck yeah yeah because we i so I sat down, we were talking about Game Pass earlier. I sat down on Game Pass and I was like, I want something to play. I was getting a bit bored. I was feeling ill, so I really wanted to just sit down and mong out with something. And I found they had skate on there. Like they had like a, like you could, um, they basically like (laughs) emulate 360 games, which is incredible because you get all the little 360 achievement overlays and stuff. It's like, oh, it was such a blast from the past. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, yeah, they had skate. So I was like, oh yeah, I love skate. I would love to play skate smash through the entire game in like two sittings or whatever um and after that i was just like god do you miss skateboarding because i did it a little bit as a, as a teenager i want to like, shred yeah man i <laughs> i want to do a pop shove it <laughs> you'd load up the tony hawk soundtrack on spotify like yeah, yeah. exactly stick that in your ears <laughs> have a bang on that um so like i was just sat there like oh god i'd love to skate and then me and zoe were chatting about it because i think i ended up playing skate three because they don't have two on there. I never played two or three. I didn't vibe with three as much because it felt just a bit like aimless. Um, mm. But they've got this whole thing where you make like a skate team. So I made a character for me and then made a character for Zoe. And then like we were talking about like, oh man, it'd be fun to skate. And then eventually, like literally that evening, I was like, I have opened up <laughs> a local skate shop website <laughs> and I have put the skateboards in the basket. Shall we do it? Just like, yeah, screw it. So I've got like this. We just bought like some complete boards. Like they're not, they're not like super crappy you know more boards or whatever they call them but they're not super expensive either so we've just been like messing around i'm actually wearing pads as well because i'm an adult so like stopping my safety first do you want me to, do you want to get the board yeah go for it you want... no you're not a shot you should be all right i'll do that there you go <laughs> do you want to see my skateboard it's pretty exciting sorry for all yeah. the people at home who are listening via the like audio only version of this podcast you can go to youtube.com slash dice you can go to youtube.com thank you very much Chase Carter. So this just is run own. the trucks around so that they get the real like immersive sound of oh, look at that so i got oh, the nice. joy board because i love how colorful they are and they have little yeah. pandas on the wheels which is fantastic um Beautiful. but yeah so like we've just been like thank you so we've just been like messing around on that um 
Oh, you want me to cover it again, just in case? Okay. <laughs> so he doesn't want to be on camera right now. Very chill quote. <laughs> but yeah, so like I'm, um, I've just been having a whale of a time, just like trying to get my like balance back and stuff like that, and like teaching because Zoe never did any of it, so I've just been teaching her how it works as well. But we've been watching like I watched this video on YouTube of like this this like this guy who is basically your dad and he's just like teaching you how to skate for adults and he's just like he, he's from somewhere in america i don't know where but he's got one of those like very chilled accents and he's just like now you don't want to look like an idiot when you're doing this <laughs> so here's how to not look like a damn fool or whatever it's so good um but yeah i've been having a great time just getting some physical exercise imagine that um, that's rad. but yeah that's what i've been doing that's what i've been doing this week all right, nice. I um, yeah. Chase, were you ever into skateboarding as like, as as a youth? Oh, man, I tried. I lived out in the country, and we had more gravel uh roads oh, yeah, than we did skate roads. Um, so I just ended up wearing a lot of Volcom shirts from Hot Topic, and hoping that no one asked me very many questions. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I feel like that was much of my teenage years as well. It's like I tried skateboarding. Like at one point, my friends just put some junk together in a barn and we're mm. like we built a skate park and then it's like <laughs> broke a board over like a crowbar that was wedged between two crates <laughs> um i could never really ollie or anything like that i could just about steer yeah but yeah it was more for the aesthetic it's like i'm gonna wear vans and i'm gonna mm -hmm. have a, a penta like a heart -a gram chain wallet uh and like a beanie a peaked beanie uh and yeah i'm gonna just carry the skateboard with me because it's cool it was very much of that kind of poser. I very approach. much like, like I got to a, a level where I could cruise around like pretty comfortably, but literally never popped an ollie, never never did anything of of any note. Um, so now I like I want to change that. Like I, I feel like when I was a kid, I was like very very scared, but also would not ever put pads on because mm. I would look like such an idiot, you know. <laughs> um, but now I'm an adult and I don't care. <laughs> I'm fully prepared to look like an idiot, so I'm going to put all the pads on and the helmet and just. I feel like the problem is if you if you're not protected, like you don't want to fall, obviously, because you're just going to land on concrete. So yeah. it stops you actually doing it properly. Whereas when you're like padded up, you're a bit more protected. You're just like, well, screw it. I know I'm, it's not going to hurt too much if I fall because I've got all these things to protect me. So now I can give it a bit more of a go. So I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting into, getting back into it. We're, we're, we're going to give it our all and we might suck at it, but who knows? It'll be fun. <laughs> I also feel like learning how to fall is a skill you need oh, if you're going to stick with this. Yeah. Like you need to be able to fall properly so you don't hurt yourself. Especially when you're approaching 30, I think. Like you can't get away with it anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like, oh, my board's fine, but now I'm the one that's broken, <laughs> just aching and slowly, like, grunting. I literally, like, yeah. so I, I went out, and I think, again, I was I was still not feeling great. I wanted to get some fresh air. I was like, I'm going to go down to the park and just push it around. Um, and I didn't put pads on. I was like, I'm just going out cruising. I'll be fine. Because I, like, it's not been that long. Because I used to, I longboarded into work and stuff. Like, it's not been that long since I pushed around on a board. Um, but I forgot how, like, tiny and hard the wheels are on a tricker skateboard like you hit anything you're just over <laughs> so like I, I was like going around i got my feet back i got my balance back i was like yeah i'm feeling all right and then literally just hit a stone and then just tumbled over i came back and i was like my ribs hurt <laughs> <laughs> oh, never again wear those pads wear those pads yeah. baby it's real There's nothing cooler than being safe and mm -hmm. protecting your body i go. might put some some kind of Kevlar body armor on or something. <laughs> yeah. Need like like almost a reverse um like airbag in a car. So mm. as soon as you hit the floor it just 
I'll just get one. I was saying is oh, we should get one of those zorbs, you know, where it's just you're just a big staple with your legs sticking out. I've seen people do that. It looks hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, there you go. That I've I've been uh, reliving my youth and playing EA skate and wanting to skateboard. <laughs> nice. I think there was there was a card game a few years ago. I think it may have even been called something like skate, although maybe not for legal reasons. Mm. But I think. It, there, are, there aren't that many tabletop games about skateboarding, and I feel like it's an untapped because you have the um, like the little fingerboards, right? Like there oh, should be decks. something about yeah, decks, yeah, yeah, like pulling off, like positioning yourself and pulling off a trick as you go up a half pipe. Like that should be a game. I th- I think in the it's same way cute. that like um, Rallyman GT or, or whatever it's called, the same way that that works with like the momentum mm. system and stuff like that. I think you can make like a pretty a pretty solid skateboarding card game yeah it would probably be more about vert than straight (laughs) sorry to get technical with you all but uh (laughs) but like push your luck to get to a 720 yeah exactly we did cover back in january there is a game called skate the card game um, which was on kickstarter um it's by just like an indie developer uh it is it has we didn't hear anything about it because it got caught up like a lot of other small games in the shipping fracas globally that is just trying to get stuff uh, across the ocean. Um, but it's still coming out. So if you want to, you can just look at Skate the Card Game. It's more about, like, tricks than it is about, like, sort of evoking that's just, like, getting on a board and mm. going. But right, yeah, someone someone's playing in that space. That's cool. All right. Shall we move on to news? Let's do it. Because there's quite a lot to actually run through, uh, even in our shortened news section. Uh, So let's just dive straight in, because there was a lot of Magic the Gathering stuff this week, um, which, Chase, uh, you you were on on call for the Magic the Gathering... Was it Magic Showcase 2021, is what they called it? Yeah, that's what they called it, just their big... like. So a lot of Magic news is often they'll just do, like, 50 minutes of, like, talking about, like, secret layers and other stuff, other premium things that they're going to be selling. But this was, like, genuinely just them announcing everything that's going to be coming up in the rest of this year and next year. the equivalent of that, like, graphic they put up at one of those Marvel keynotes of, like, here's the 500 Mm. films we're working on. (laughs) Right, like Marvel's next 10 years of the, like, post-Infinity Stone movie (laughs) franchise BS that they're doing. But, yeah, it was much like that. So the big stuff is is that they announced the four sets that they're going to be coming out in 2022. Uh chiefly that there will be no core set which they tend to do most years this year they're just saying no core set we're just going to do four big theme sets and we're going to see how that works mm-hmm. they have done which in the past it... sorry go ahead sorry it'll make it the second year running right because adventures in the forgotten realms mm-hmm. replaced this year's this year's core set so maybe that's right do you think this is a sign that maybe they just they're definitely some core sets yeah they're definitely trying that space they've done this before a couple of years but never consecutively this is, i think is the first time they've done two years consecutively without a core set if it goes well i think they may just like get rid of core sets now i'm sure that like so the the reason why you had a core set is that you always wanted to make sure in rotation there was a sort of block of cards that gave a lot of like staples so you're talking about like re- removal in certain colors like big creatures in green like white had these sort of spells so they could like really experiment in the other sets without the game sort of like losing the tools that standard players needed to like be able to function and create like a, a rich and sort of vibrant meta a meta game right i think that they're still going to do that like adventures in the forgotten realms was 
like people say was like, you know, is a little slower. It wasn't as mechanically interesting, even though they had some standout stuff, but it was a little bit more of a subdued set because it was taking the place of that core set, trying to offer a lot of those staple cards. So I can imagine one of the four that they came up with next year is going to be a lot like that. Um, so first up, in the, there, there's going to be one in each quarter. They're just talking about quarters. There's no set release dates. The first one is probably the most contentious of the bunch, which is a return to Kamigawa. It's Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, which confirms the rumors that, yes, they are doing what seems to be a cyberpunk set um, for Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, it is actually the like the the head the header image on the story we have on the site where I kind of break everything down. It's gonna be one of the new planeswalkers is their name. I there we don't know very much about it, but their name is Saito. They are a ninja, just a cyberpunk ninja. They've got a, a katana. They've got a katana with shuriken just like up the blade, Sick. which is not a real thing. They've got a little fractal like tanuki on their shoulder, which oh is my cute. God. It's cute. Like the fractal tanuki, tanuki is cute, but it's it is very much the sort of like cyberpunk twenty seventy seven pop culture genre. Mm. It again, we don't know much about it beyond the name and some images, but it sure seems to me that everyone's fears that they're I'm... just going to sort of just whole whole cloth just it's just going to be cyberpunk without any of the real sort of like social commentary that i'm cyberpunk so should sick have. of cyberpunk stories told by massive mega corporations yep. <laughs> well we've got great news coming up for you with the second news story but we'll get onto that yeah oh, God. so that's up first and we have no idea like again we don't know what it's going to they didn't talk about mechanics they didn't really talk about the sort of like design space that they're going to be getting into. It is a return to Kamigawa, which was a set that came out in the early 2000s. It's a fan favorite. It's also fraught with some real baggage. It is, you know, a lot like cyberpunk is fetishization of Asian culture. They're just hitting a different time period with cyberpunk. It is still very much a fe like they're fetishizing, you know, for with Kamigawa, it was the sort of like, I don't know specifically, but very historical, like sort of like, temples and ninja and sages and you know all of that sort of like like the the magic that is built into and understood through like like ancient and more historically placed like japanese spiritualism and religion um and also it's just sort of like did that thing that a lot of like early like broadly asian culture does where it just sort of takes like samurai but also like three kingdoms romance period in china mm. and a lot of like other like east asian cultures and just gloms them together um cyberpunk does that too because cyberpunk is largely drawing on that sort of like like 1980s yellow panic of like asian culture writ large taking over america and therefore the western world we'll see if they if they try to do in that space um their creative director um whose name uh jess linzilla said on stream that they are working with cultural consultants and other people to make sure that they quote do it right this time is what she said i've reached out to see what exactly that process looks like but who can say yeah because uh, strixhaven which we saw relatively recently uh, uh -huh. also did not really uh follow through on some of that stuff it feels like there was a yeah there was and so for this to to follow quite quickly on that is is surprising yeah um yeah strixhaven did have the like it's it's character in killian lou which was very much playing in some in some like you know asian like tiger parent stereotypes mm. i i just don't really like it's like wheels it's like you said even if they did a good job 
I am too just sick of cyberpunk as like this aesthetic genre mm. that we're playing in. Um, luckily, there the three other sets do go in some different directions. Specifically, um, so the next one that's sort of like a new thing is Streets of New Capenna, uh, which is going to be coming out. I believe that's going to be the third set in the year. Um, and it's like a 1920s noir art deco looking set. Um, it's really cool, kind of glitzy. There's like four or five, no, there's five crime families that ruled this city that was built by angels, but now it's like been taken over by devils, which is just broadly seems like a metaphor for like America, right? Mm. Like broad purpose and then taken over by crime and sort of capitalism run rampant in the 1920s. Um, seems cool. Uh, might be an interesting thing. It is a definitely new sort of like art direction for for Magic, which tends to play in largely fantasy spaces. And the other two sets are going to be like big capital F fantasy sets. So I'm kind of excited to see like what their artists do with this set, if nothing else. Uh, I think that'll be interesting. Um, we know that there's going to be five families that spread across three colors. So each of the family will have three color identities. And then they said like a specific keyword on cards that'll be linked to those families. So I think mechanically that'll be an interesting set. I, I like the three color sets like Shards of Alara from about a decade ago it was really cool. It, it gives you a lot of space to play in whenever you're combining three colors. Um, and then the last two sets, one is another return to Dominaria, which is sort of like the, the, the universe that's at the center of the multiverse of magic. It's where a lot of their stories take place. They went back in 2018, so it hasn't even been that long since we've kind of played in this world. So I'm interested to see what they're doing there, like why they think it is worth going back so soon. Um, I think that if I if I was going to be a betting man, that is going to be the set that's like a core set. I think that's going to be the one where they really sort of like put in a lot of the staple cards. I was going to say, do you think it might also be tied to obviously there's the Netflix show, which they they teased a bit, and with yeah. Dominaria yeah. kind of being like the core magic law thing, whether that is a chance of like okay, well we're getting a new new player base of people who have discovered it through Netflix. Now here's the magic kind of central universe for them to to leap into. Totally. And it would make sense if they're going to use Dominaria, which is coming out in the summer. Um, their winter set called the Brothers War is also based in Dominaria, but more of like the history. There's like there's two these two characters. They're both brothers, and they're sort of like the nexus of a lot of the storylines that are stretch they through. War? They are at war. <laughs> yes. Um, I, if I can remember my lore correctly, they're two brothers that end up in political positions, and through a lot of machinations, they end up leading two two empires that go to war with each other. And the resulting war and the magic and the machines that they use just utterly obliterate the lands, the, the countryside, and all of the other countries that are struck, swept up in it. And sort of begin these storylines and these, these legends that stretch throughout magic's history and sort of like pepper the field or I guess like plant the seeds for all the other stories that, that come out of it. Um, we'll see. Like it seems interesting. They're, it, it, it is going to be a year where magic both like really stretches into new areas and also goes back to its roots. This is going to be the 30th anniversary of the game uh, next year. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see where they go. I'm just so sore about that neon dynasty. That's just, yeah. there is, there is a, there's a definite ceiling for me about like how good that set can be. I just, I'm, I'm worried about it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stretching in new directions, they also just threw out that Fortnite and Street Fighter will also come to its, its yeah. So while they're also going back to its roots, they are also just licensing the heck out of Magic the Gathering because mm -hmm. we got so Lord of the Rings is in 2023, right? The Lord of the Rings yeah. set, which I think now has a name, 
um, something something Middle Earth. I can't remember the name of it, but it's very. It's, it's not the Family Guy adaption. It's what, you, <laughs> it's what you expect from a Lord of the Rings magic set. It looks like. Um, although I think it's just loaded boosters, right? It's not kind of a, they're not doing a full on. Um, for Lord of the Rings? Yeah. No, that's a full set. Oh, is it a full, that, full set? Uh, it's going to be, a, it's going oh, to be the I'm first... I'm thinking of War, Warhammer is Commander decks. Warhammer Commander decks, yeah. Commander yeah. Decks. yeah. Lord yeah. of the Rings is going to be the first, like, Universes Beyond full set, which is yeah. interesting, because that almost immediately goes against what they said they were going to do with Universes Beyond. So, yeah, and then, like I say, Warhammer, and then Fortnite and Street Fighter will be Secret Lairs next year, I think, um, mm -hmm. which will be... So the, the Fortnite cards will be reprints, but themed around Fortnite, the Battle Royale game. So I presume they have a lot. Is it a llama? Whatever the, um, there's like the pinata thing. But is or the, is it an alpaca? Alpaca, sorry. Um, and then Street Fighter will have new cards. So it will be the roster of characters, um, including Chun-Li, who will have a new mechanic in multi-kick. Um, but those Not will a new then mechanic. come to other cards in the future, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I guess some clarification. Multi-kick is not a new mechanic, but it's ah. kind of an interesting use in that it is a very literal translation of multi-kick. Is, is that a type of... Because you can kick spells, can't you? There's kicker. Yeah, multi-kicker means you can pay that cost multiple times and you get an effect for each time ah, that you pay right. it. So with Chun-Li, whatever it's going to be, I guess it's like do more damage. It's like, yeah, she she just rares up and throws out five kicks if you can pay that multi-kicker cost. Um, and like you said, any cards printed like this, they have promised that they will come later on so that they are not just exclusive designs. Yeah. Like it's not going to for... be another Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we also... It was interesting because they, they teased the, the Netflix show, which is coming up. I think it they said it will land the end of next year, so end of 2022. Yeah. Um, and they announced Brandon Ralph um, will be in it. But this followed, I think, quite literally the day before, the news <laughs> that the Russo brothers... Um, known from the Avengers films, among other things, uh, had left it uh, over creative differences, I believe, is the reason, right, Chase? It's like... Yeah. The report, which comes from Deadline, um, said that actually this was something they found out later, but, like, they left really early on. Like, they kind of got mm. the, the outline going, and then the Russo brothers and sort of the whole writing team followed them, just left the project, <laughs> and they had to bring in, like, a new, new showrunner who brought in their own team. Yeah, over creative... They said oh, it's God. amicable... Mm -hmm. like, of course yeah it always is it's... sure it's yeah, amicable so... the the bullet wounds are healing quite well yeah. don't worry about it it's very amicable <laughs> uh, yeah you signed a check and no cash. one's going to complain yeah exactly yeah um yeah so that'll be interesting and the second bit of news which i've pulled uh moving on to it also concerns wizards of the coast and a cyberpunk card game because there's a, a chance that netrunner might be coming back in some yeah. form yeah um i found this on on the 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 netrunner subreddit someone was just like there's a there's a trademark filing by wizards of the coast for the word netrunner and it's sort of like you know it's so just right off the bat um well one i am not a trademark lawyer i have reached out to some <laughs> trademark lawyers for some information about this but as far as i understand they have trademarked the use of the name in products and licensing and use and stuff like that there's three separate filings that cover sort of like physical games like board games and card games computer games and then other online or digital media it's just sort of like broad nets that they're casting out what that probably means is that wizard of the coast is just saying however we're going to use it these are all the sorts of things that we normally produce and put out and sell 
we we're not going to say what it's for, but it's going to be for something that we normally do. And it's the other important thing here is that it is an intent to use trademark, which means that they have between six months and a year, depending on how it's interpreted, to sell something using Netrunner. Mm. Otherwise, this is not one of those claims where they're just going to sit on the license. So they're going to be doing something with Netrunner. I mean, seemingly within the next six months or a year, that could be uh, they're going to use it in a card name something or there's going to be like a secret layer i've seen some people talk about a secret layer or it could be something that's coming up in neon dynasty i was about to say we've got a cyberpunk setting coming out that seems like the most obvious thing especially because with like the video game thing it could just literally just be adaptions in arena right yeah that just feels like that's that surely will not go down well because so for for those unaware netrunner reborn as android netrunner by fancy flight um, which ran for about six years, so 2012 to 2018, late 2018, was when the licensing ran out. So Wizards of the Coast originally had Netrunner, which was Richard Garfield game, so Creative Magic the Gathering. Um, Fancy Flight reborn it, rebirthed it under the Android universe. Um, and so, yeah, the licensing then ran out in late 2018, and there's been nothing since. So I feel like if they just put out some Netrunner cards for Secret Lair that surely will just miff a load of people off because it's like oh you registered you registered netrunner just to do another like branded secret layer just gonna cash in on on the kind of the goodwill towards that game because netrunner is incredible game yeah it's just you can't get it anywhere really easily Mm mm-hmm yeah, uh, I think the only like the best place to do it is through Project You Say, which well, I was going to say, yeah, this is directly after like a fan project, which is keeping the game alive. Mm-hmm. They like, released a core set and expansions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's not clear if they decided to do any sort of product, how that would affect, say, Project You Say or what Fantasy Flight would do about this sort of thing. I mean, they 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 don't have like the license anymore. So, but I mean, they still have Android Netrunner is still like their game. I, I'm really curious about like what Wizards of the Coast can do and what they're going to do. The cynical read is that they're just going to do a secret layer, some branded product that they're going to sell for at, at their through their premium sort of like market. The the more adventurous is that they're going to create some sort of like digital client for a Netrunner esque game, and mm. they're going to use that somewhere in the branding of it. Yeah. Because there was there was some rumbling around when the license ran out for Fancy Flight because Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven was coming up, and yeah. original Netrunner was based in the world of Cyberpunk, the tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cyberpunk twenty twenty at the time, but that just never came to fruition. So, and you would think now, you know that that chance has kind of flown. There's there's no reason why they would suddenly and Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven doesn't have the greatest goodwill in the world. So that feels like it wouldn't be that. But yeah, it's it's just a, such a strange... I think the timing of it is very odd now. Three years after it, you know, after it ran out. Yep. You know, they killed that licensing and then there's just been a three-year gap of nothing. Yeah, I mean, Wizards was not... They were pretty happy to just sort of let it lie unclaimed. Yep. Like, they didn't sweep it up as soon as Fantasy Flight let it run out. They didn't do anything with it. There has... And for Nisei's part, like, I'm pretty sure they've just run unaccosted by Fantasy Flight or Wizards of the Coast. I will say there are plenty of folks within that community I was reading through, and there are plenty of folks worried about, like, now that Wizards of the Coast is stepping in and maybe staking their claim, what's that going to mean for the future of the project? Mm. We don't know. Nothing more cyberpunk than 
claiming your trademark <laughs> and then crushing out a community project. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, excellent. All right. Uh, that's about all the time for news we have. Uh, in terms of other stuff up on the site, um, obviously, there is daily news from uh, myself and Chase this week. It's been, it's been off. Um, me and spoke to the folks behind the Gargoyles board game, which is kind of an interesting revival of that series, which I don't think anyone really saw coming. Um, Jason Coles, who writes a lot about magic on the site, uh, took a look at Magic the Gathering Arena and its differences from paper magic. Um, there's, yeah, uh, Wills, your, your look at Monopoly and why everyone hates Monopoly is up on the site now as well, if you'd like a text version of that. It's very good and... But also, please watch the video for the love yes, of God. Yes, also watch the video. The video is also in there. The uh, so however you prefer to, you know, to to learn about that, you should. It's a really interesting story. And yeah, um, yeah. speaking of corporations and, let's say, not doing quite right by the people that actually make the games. Hmm, yeah, some stuff went down there, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, shall we move on to this week's <laughs> weekly segment? Yeah. Which we didn't have a name for. I think, Wills, you came out with this, so I'm, it's time for you to invent a name on the spot. I'm going to go ahead and say this is probably one of the least well-prepared segments we've done on the podcast. And that's saying um, a lot. This, <laughs> this, this, this segment is called Board Game 2, Board Game Harder. Uh, and I've just decided that we, are, we have been tasked with uh, creating the subtitle that goes on the sequel to your favourite board game. So, <laughs> Will, you've changed this from the initial thing. You've thrown a spare in the works. Ah, so the person who did not prepare at all wins. Ha-ha. That's right. It's me. No time wasted. <laughs> so, the ba- the basic premise of this is that I thought it'd be quite funny if we found just regular old board games and gave them like cheesy movie taglines. You know, like. Imagine, imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, saying "Ice to meet you" whilst like blasting on his freeze ray gun in Batman Beyond or whatever it's called. Um, give me that energy, basically. That's what I'm asking for. Two board, two game, as Angel B says. Um, now the alternative is we we make it into a guessing game. That requires me to have prepared at least one. So <laughs> uh, I've written down four here, but oh my very god, good. four! They're very short. Okay, okay. Do you want to try and guess these, and we'll just Let's we'll do just it. we'll 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 ramble our way through this. Uh, okay, so first one up. Uh, actually, I'm going to do that one last. Uh, first one up, Deep Space Nine hours. I wasn't sure how to format this one, but it's Deep Space Nine hours. Deep or space, deep space comma nine, nine hours. hours. <laughs> on... I've got a pretty good guess for this one. Go for it, Chase. Is it Twilight Imperium? It is Twilight Imperium. Yeah, makes nice. sense. God damn it. Okay. I was mainly just very pleased with my Deep Space Nine pun. <laughs> the before and after is good. <laughs> okay, number two. Oh, okay. I'm just going, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, your finger is the trigger. Uh, cash and guns. No. God damn it. If I can get a hint, is it like a dexterity game? It is a dexterity game, yeah. Cash and Guns has actual guns in it, right? So, Is it um, that finger gun game that we've played that I've forgotten the name of? No, it's something a bit... I went broader than that. Okay. 
Oh, God. I've got oh, an no. idea. Flick them up. Flick them up. Flick them up. Nice. There we go. I was to trying honest, to remember. Flick them up by itself is such a perfectly formed like, yeah. game name. That fantastic hard to name. Absolutely fantastic okay. war game name. Number three, coming out here. It's a cat eat fox eat bird eat mouse world. Root. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever, though. I like that. It's a good tagline. Uh, and fourth and final, will you be triumphant? B-movie The Board Game. <laughs> no. <laughs> Featuring Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, is this Hive? It is Hive. That's why nice. I put it last, yeah. So those were my taglines. But I feel like, Will, as you've, predict- you've taken this in an unpredicted direction. That's Chase, what I do. You- I'm always here to ch- shake things up, you know? <laughs> Okay, Chase, did you did you prepare any taglines before Will no. show? <laughs> no, I sure didn't. Okay, That's yeah, why so I'm right. saying I come out on top. No wasted time here. Well, here's oh, what, yeah. here's what I think we should do. I think the chat su- should suggest. So we've had some great examples there from Matt of the kind of fantastic stuff we can do, but I want the chat to suggest uh, some board games, and the premise is your favorite board game is getting a sequel, and you've been put on the brand team to decide on what the subtitle is. So mm. let's think of, you know, some of the greatest, just to buy some time, let's think of some of the greatest uh, movie sequel subtitles that you can think of. I mean, Too Fast, Too Furious, for example. It's a fantastic uh, example. Anything from you two? <laughs> uh, I know, Catan 2, don't roll a 7. <laughs> don't roll a 7. Okay. Aaron Winmire would like Potion Explosion 2 subtitle. Um, I started thinking about Sister Act and Potion Explosion Potion Explosion 2 bang in the habit, but it doesn't work (laughs) because it's a pun on nuns as well as potions. Bang in the habit! Oh, that's incredible. Wait, so is this like going to be a themed potion explosion taking place hmm. in a in a in a in a nunnery? Yeah, yeah. Now it is. Yeah. Oh God, Toto, stop pressing buttons. Uh, potion um, explosion to the perfect mix. Yes. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, Adam suggests yarts free. Yarts free. <laughs> You just skip the second one. That was, <laughs> was, the, like, that, that the, was sort of the level I was going where I was like, oh, okay, eight wonders. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, yeah. Uh, Tomb Haven. Tomb <laughs> Haven. <laughs> Are you spelling it with the number two as well? Yeah. Like, uh, drive three R. Two O O M. Oh, around when my potion explosion two, we lost our marbles is quite good. That is good. It's very nice. Camel, okay. camel up two. Mm. Camel up two. Camel. I down. mean, there is a second edition. Of camel, camel down. Camel up. Camel down. Camel, camel up down. two. Party Money down. down. <laughs> I don't mind that. There's a there's a good like wingspan two. The wingening. The wingening. I was thinking of uh, like wingspan two. Life's about to get wild. Mm. <laughs> uh, suggests a return ticket to ride, which is that's good. Um, this 
Come on, funny. two double yumps. <laughs> this has got to be the the quickest that it's ever dissolved. Like completely just fallen apart. One of these segments. Look, we I, preparation would be too strong a word to describe how we normally go about these segments, but I feel like this one really. Uh, coup two. I mean two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop. <laughs> it's, it's just a stretch of five vowels. The cleanest French word you can think of. <laughs> uh, oh god. Uh, <laughs> again, clue. Someone's given us clue, which of course would just be called two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Tudo if you're in the UK. <laughs> Clue to Professor Black's Revenge. He comes back as a ghost. And oh my then... god! And then you play Mysterium. Mm, yeah, Mysterium could just be called Cluedo too. Mm. Uh, what about a follow-up to Scythe called Pitchfork? And it's not about the big countries, <laughs> oh. but it's all—it's actually a totally different game. It's all about the farmers that are trying to like keep the supply lines to these like gigantic bear robot armies out on the battlefield mm. alive. Yeah, I like that. And if you, you could have this, could be called Hammer and then just go full communism. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. 100%. And you could have a prequel to Tapestry just called Fred. <laughs> Fred. Uh, Adam says DOS, a sequel to Uno. I believe that DOS exists. Oh, really? Yeah, I believe there is a, a game for DOS <laughs> that is, is like Uno but has one extra rule, I believe. Got it. It's got um, two rules instead of one. <laughs> uh, Nathaniel uh, Levy suggests Dread. Dread Two, uh, the Tower of <laughs> that's bad. That's bad. The Stack of Spooks. I'm stack trying to play spooks. off of that. Yeah. Dread Two, I get knocked down, but I get back up again. <laughs> <laughs> You're never gonna keep me down. <laughs> I the problem is I now can't. How about Love Letter Two, Return to Sender? That's great. That's, that's super good. That's, that's the best one good. yet. <laughs> There we go. We've uh, done it. We completed the game. Good we job, everyone. We somehow made that segment work. Look, we filled for, <laughs> we filled for approximately five to ten minutes. Excellent. Uh, yeah, Andy Houghton, dead of spring, dead of summer, dead of autumn. Is... <laughs> oh, God. Scott Perkins of a Super Chat would like one more. Not a board game, but as the new set is out, Infinity. Can you have Infinity a sequel plus to Infinity? One. Yeah, Infinity, Infinity plus, plus one. one. <laughs> Pedantic. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for your super chats, yeah. uh, Nathan Noah suggests exploding cats too. Are there any left? I would go with exploding kittens too, picking up the pieces. Nice. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, picking up the Mises. Jenga two block party. Uh, Matt, you're pretty quick on these. I have to say. Look, if there's one thing I can do, it's terrible puns on a deadline. No, that's um, very true. Uh, <laughs> somebody gets help on headlines. That's pretty aces at this. Mm. Uh, mine would be like the Clank. The Clank series is just just different onomatopoeias. You can do bonk, mm. bonk. Bonk, yeah. Bonk. I feel like bonk, bonk is the 18 rated <laughs> Clank, after dark, it's bonk. Oof. Spicy. Uh Okay, should we move over to email questions Let's and questions from the chat also? Uh, if you have a question for the Dicebreaker podcast, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com or if you're in the chat live every Friday from 2 p.m. BST, you can just chuck it in the chat. We'll find it and we'll stick it in. Wills, would you like to read this one from Sam, please? Also known as Arandafall. Uh I must be in the wrong Google Doc because I can't yep. see them. 
Yes. You want me to take it? Uh, yeah, please, Chase. <clears throat> In a recent Instagram post, Matt showed off his board game collection and how it fits neatly under his bed. How does the rest of the Dicebreaker team store their games? Do you have any games on display for a particular reason? I'm new to the hobby, uh, so mine are stashed in our hutch and scattered around the house. If I could display a game, it would be Root because I love Kyle Farron's art style. Mm. I like Root is definitely a wall-worthy So this genuinely was a question I had to answer quite recently because, as you'll know, I've moved, as you can tell from the different background. Um, and Zoe's flat is way smaller than the one I was in. Uh, so I used to have a big like massive calax against the wall like the biggest size they do um just full of games so not only did i have to whittle down the ones that i didn't want to keep anymore but even when i took them into the flat we had to decide the ones that were going to stay out and the ones that were going to get shoved into the drawers that go under the bed mm. because the bed has now gone up against the wall so there were two drawers that just are not accessible so like those are the things that i'm like i need to keep these but i'm probably not going to play them for the foreseeable future um so when it came to picking i had this question in my head of do i keep out the ones that look the best because then i can put the pretty ones on the shelf or do i keep out the ones that i think i'm going to need the quickest access to and that was genuinely a bit of a conundrum um so things like root and and azul for example i've I've kept out because they look fantastic um but there are a few games where i'm just like this is really ugly but i want to play it all the time so i'm gonna have to just leave it on the shelf i don't know what do you think uh i mean for me i guess to answer the question um and this is sort of like banging on the 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 last podcast a couple weeks ago where y'all got a question about like storing them vertically or horizontally right mm. Um, I do mine horizontal. I've got enough and I've got enough Thank you. space that I do them horizontally because I don't want that mess. Um, and also we build sort of like little ziggurats out of them. So like, mm. you know, you find the bigger one to become the bases and then you just go <laughs> up in size. So there's no like, no real so, theming going on there, but it's all architecturally sound. I was not on that podcast, but I do just want to point out that when you do do the ziggurat, you have the, the issue that you can buckle the lids of the lower board games. Mm -hmm. So I would be careful about that. So you, they, you talk about mess, but you've never had a ripped case. That's that's a fair point. So ours are not too big. And we, mm. do, we do take weight into consideration as well. So this was very carefully considered. So every time we get a new board game, everything has to be like redone. And I know that there's probably a point where like this will no longer be uh, a viable option. But for now, the ziggurat solution is in play. Nice. Uh, yeah, like, so uh, as Sam said, I put that picture up on Instagram because uh, my wife and I are looking to move house soon. And so we went through all the board games because when we moved in here, we have one of the beds that lifts up. I think they're called Ottoman beds. Um, and we said, okay, this is where all the board games will live. We'll limit ourselves to this space. And then of course, being in the job that I'm in and also being the person I am, that quickly that rule quickly went out the window and we had board <laughs> games behind the door um, behind me. Uh, we had board games up on top of the bookshelf. I think people that have watched past streams may have seen like Twilight Imperium and stuff up there where it's like, I want to keep these, but I have no space for them anywhere else. So yep. um, yeah, we went through and we were quite harsh. We really did cut down. Um, we got rid of some kind of classics that we just realistically don't play anymore. Like Catan and Carcassonne we've had for decades or you know 10 years plus and so it was just like we didn't really play these anymore we've replaced them so we we gave them away um to a friend who works um uh with an organization uh for children um and yeah it was it was an interesting process because when you're limited by space rather than a, a box count mm. it's like okay is one twilight imperium 
yeah realistically worth four other like quote like standard sized games yeah um and it's like i had eclipse um which is another massive space game that takes six hours to play and twilight imperium I was kind of weighing them up like these are roughly the same box size. They're both roughly the same kind of theme. They may play slightly differently and both are about as unrealistic to get a group of people together to play. <laughs> so I can only keep one and was having to really make decisions like that, like curating a collection of, okay, do we have a social deduction game? Yes, we have deception. So we probably don't need, you know, the resistance or something like that. Yeah, do we have choice. a hidden movement good game? Choice. Yes, we have, you know, this, so we don't need space. Like, yeah, going through and curating both by size and by style and hoping that if we're in the mood for something particular, we can pull out something that we know we love and are interested in playing. Um, but I don't really have many games on display. I have RPGs on my bookshelf. I have a root poster, um, but I don't have board games out um, anymore anyway. So I feel like miniatures... Uh, I can <laughs> Miniatures, about, I was but... just about to say, are a whole other issue because mm. I've got like... I've got quite a few now, like showpiece models that I'm really proud of that I'd like to keep out and, and have on display. Um, so when I moved in, we put them on top of the wardrobe in the bedroom because there wasn't really anywhere else to put them. So they just sort of sit up there and they look quite cool. Recently, uh, Toto and Rosie have decided that they like sleeping <laughs> on top of the suitcases on top of the wardrobe. Nice. Um, and I have had, due to the enormous cat that he is, Toto jumping up on there and then like... <laughs> very very sloppily getting back down again i have had both of the little ghosts that attached to lady hollander snap off now because it's knocked on the floor and genuinely like i think if he broke the um the massive skaven demon that i've painted i think i would be in tears like I've, that is one of like my proudest achievements as a model painter if he knocked that on the floor and cracked it in half i i, I would just not want to look at him for the rest of the week <laughs> so i'm now having to find a different place to put those because we just can't stop them going up there but yeah do you think it's... do you think it's time to invest in one of those glass cases mm. huh I just got showered out, I don't know why. Um, yeah, it's it's like a bell jar or something, you know? What are you yeah. shouting about? Lady Olinda. Yeah, I know. She broke. I know. We're live, Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe's really upset about it as well, because I painted Lady yeah. Olinda for her. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a nightmare having cats around anything, but uh-huh. miniatures are so fragile. So yeah, maybe bell jars, maybe something along those lines, just kind of figure something out. But we've got some new shelves arriving, so I'm hoping that they won't like jumping on those. <laughs> we'll see. That's a, that's a forlorn hope. We I know. Man. I know. <laughs> uh, all right, shall we close out with this one? Wills, if you've got the document over now, would you like to read this? Uh, top one from Kate Collier, please. Kate Collier says, "What's the oldest PC slash console?" slash board game that each of you still play mine would be the original bard's tale trilogy um good question i a lot a lot of like games i will play from the Zelda state like playing i know skate was only like 2007 but still like quite a while ago um and it's it's hilarious by the way listening to all of the like lingo that they use in that game it's like Listening to like guys trying to be cool in 2007 is very funny. Oh my god, that's me. I can relate. I was trying to be cool in 2007. 2007, still the best video game year to have ever happened. Like, there's never been a year that had that many good games come out since. Yeah, 2007 is pretty strong. 2007 was incredible. Halo like 3, 90, 97 Skate, as well, Bioshock, right? ridiculous. Yeah, 
Yeah, the sevens apparently are just yeah. outrageous. Um, I don't know if I'd say the same for 2017. I'll have to have a look. Um, but, <clears throat> but I think the oldest game, pardon me, that I still play uh, quite a lot, probably on an emulator, is like probably like the PS1 games that I used to play as a kid, like Soul Reaver, stuff like that. Some Something that I know I'm always forced to, even though I don't think I actually enjoy it that much, I'm always forced to play because my friends love playing it as a throwback. It's Age of Empires 2. Because that Ooh. is like one of those games where it's just like, oh, let's play Age of Empires 2. And I'm like, yeah, great. Because there's this one friend that we have called Daniel Piggins who has only played Age of Empires 2 since it came out. It's the only video game he's ever played. So he's just like immortal in that game it is like you've built like two houses and he's already in the imperial age and it's just like i don't i don't understand how you do this like <laughs> i expect him to be in like one of those i don't know like korean esports leagues or something like he's ridiculous he's so talented at it and i'm just like i don't want to play against you <laughs> i wish i could be one of those people i would be a much wealthier person if i could just buy one video game and be fine playing that yeah. for the rest of my entire life you know you say that, but there are a lot of people like that who play like League of Legends and then spend yeah. their entire life's worth savings oh, on skins. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Chase, is there um, anything you keep going back to? Yeah. So I guess so. My answer is sort of a cop out in a little in a little bit. Uh, I own the uh, the D and D Gamma World that came out in like 2010, uh, and after playing that with some friends, I got really interested in Gamma World and went back and like downloaded some of like the documents of the older versions, which stretch back to the seventies. I think the earliest I was able to find back in college when I get into it was like the eighties. I was just looking at the, at the versions, like maybe third edition, which came out in 1986. And I will still sometimes like, if I've got a friend who's interested, we'll just sort of like mess around because back in college, what I did is I kind of homebrewed this like post-apocalyptic version of our college town. <laughs> and we played Gamma World in that. And that was enough of a, of, of a lark that like, I'll still do that with friends and we'll just sort of wherever we're living at the time, we'll just sort of create a post-apocalyptic version and play some Gamma World there. So that's the board game version. The other games, like video games and stuff like that, yeah, with emulation, this is an easy answer. Like, mm. I'll go back and play, like, I'm right now playing Chrono Trigger again on my oh, phone. Oh, nice. Um, I, <clears throat> if there are any lawyers listening, I do legally own the game and therefore are taking part in my <laughs> legal right I, yeah. to emulate this game on another system i'm not i'm fully pirating them <laughs> lock me up i don't care i i've played like Baldur's gate 2 about 100 times as well like mm. I, I think there are a lot of games that like I, I just played them when i was you know 12 or whatever so they'll yeah. just they'll just never stop being fun to me yeah uh, I mentioned recently, I had recently started replaying the first Final Fantasy, so that's what, 1988, uh, I think. Um, I fairly, like, let's say semi-annually replay Final Fantasy IX, because it's my favourite and it's the best one of the series, obviously. Uh, my yeah, wife and I did a run of, like, most of the Final Fantasies, so we did, like, seven through ten, and now we're doing one through six, um, and we did the well, Kingdom Hearts You start well. before te- ten two. Arguably we did start at 10 2, but we didn't actually finish 10 2 because um, we got distracted. Um, Which is the and... one with I'm Captain Bosch because that's one of the only ones I've bothered to play. <laughs> I believe that's 10. Is that 10? Yeah. 10 with, is the uh... first one with voice acting, so with Tidus. Yeah. <laughs> the laughing. <laughs> the scene, yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no. That's, that's um, Teach Us How to Blitz. That's. Uh... Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that one's awful. I'm talking about the one where you're in like a sort of desert town and it's way more fantasy. 
way more fancy. Oh, I don't actually... Your main character is a guy in like a vest and he's topless apart from it. He's got like a sash. Uh, and he's running around shouting, I'm Captain Bosch at some point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Eleven? I don't know. Eleven was the MMO. That's so... eleven. Oh, is it eleven? Wow, yeah. really? Fourteen's the MMO, isn't it? And fourteen. Uh, anyway. No, sorry. Not eleven. Twelve. 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 I can't, I can't look at Roman numerals correctly. Yeah, twelve. The one with Fran. People cosplay her a lot. Mm. Yeah. That's that's one of the only ones I bothered to play. And eight. Eight eight I played a lot as a kid because yeah, because it was yeah. the one that we had on our PS one. Uh, yeah. But I I also play a lot of Tetris. Like I love Tetris. Um so I think that probably is the oldest game that I go back to on a very regular basis. Like I just absolutely love Tetris. I don't know what it is about it. I think it's just one of those again, it's like it obviously the best video game of all time, right? Like it's like so obvious that it's hard to actually counteract it. It's just brilliant. Um, board game wise, I don't know really. Like, I don't play loads of older stuff because of this job. So I tend to keep up with newer stuff just by virtue of any uh, betrayal is a game we go back to quite a lot. That's 2004, I think. Um, that's that's probably it. Like Netrunner, I like, which is old. And actually, Netrunner doesn't count. Android Netrunner because it's newer. But yeah. I guess I mean Magic, right? Like yeah. I don't play with old Magic cards, but. Yeah. I, play magic occasionally and that has been going forever in in the um magic tutorial video that i put out i accidentally said that magic comes from the 80s rather than 90s but like it, it feels like it does do you know yeah. what i mean like it's yeah this game has been running since 1947 or something i don't know <laughs> yeah. i guess if you're being pedantic like my wife and i play chess occasionally so yeah. really that's that wins by country and we tried getting into go because i was i'd never really played go um so like sometimes I'll just try out those kind of like like capital T traditional games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Viking chess for me and Zoe was, was Oh yeah, Neffeltafel. Neffeltafel, yeah. Neffeltafel, that's it, yeah. Um yeah. yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see where that stuff people it's like King Domino, right? It's like someone takes a traditional game and gives it a modern theming and update. Uh yeah. It's it's just difficult to play old board games in the way that you would old computer games or any yeah. other sort of like digital media. It's yeah. just like, I, that's something I think about sometimes is like curation for this hobby is gotta be just a rough state, mm. you know? Out of print games. Yeah. Tigerson, like Tigerson Euphrates from 97. Mm -hmm. Like it's so hard to get now, but it's an incredible game. Well, there's and I think they've even taken it well. off of, yeah, they've taken it off of the app store and stuff like that. So you can't even play it virtually, which obviously, is an even more accessible route for many people who can't afford 400 yeah. quid for an out-of-print copy. Yeah, it's it's one of the things about the industry that, particularly with Kickstarters, limiting things to sometimes single print runs. And if you don't yeah. cough up for a Kickstarter, you miss out. It's FOMO, right? It drives oh. a lot of the industry as it stands. And how can we forget about Crocodile, of course? <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, Crocodile probably, yeah. Yeah. That's Crocodile, uh, the, the goat of board games <laughs> the tetris of board games uh all right i think that's about all we have time for mm. on this week's podcast thank you all for your questions thank you uh thanks to those in the chat if you'd like to join us we are live every friday from 2 p.m bst where we do this again we chat about stuff uh, and we answer questions oh wheels are you projecting? Am I seeing that, or is that going out on the oh, line? Oh, sorry. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's oh, fine. No, Don't worry. On just a bit of Excel spreadsheet for you. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was, I was preparing for you to ask me what's coming up on the channel. Uh, 
but opened it up on the wrong window. So please enjoy uh, a brief look at behind the scenes of what my computer looks like. <laughs> uh, but uh, of course, thank you, Chase, for joining us. If you'd like to read more of Chase's work, you can find it over on dicebreaker.com. Uh, and if folks want to follow you on Twitter, Chase, you're at Chase Rates. Chase Rates. Uh, and indeed, you do. Very much so. <laughs> uh, of course, Wills, thank you for being here once again. You're very uh, welcome. And please do stick around here on youtube.com forward slash dicebreaker for more content that's upcoming, including uh, a Let's Play of the Pokemon trading card game for the first time mm. on the channel tomorrow. Nice. Uh, and on Sunday, you can watch me and Matt play Hive, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, that was a, that was a good fun one, actually. Yeah, it was good it, to go back to that. Can I just say, Arangafall, it is a lovely spreadsheet. Thank you very much. I worked very hard on it. It's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. spreadsheet. Was a spreadsheet was so good that I actually just copied it for my own uh, <laughs> schedule because I was like, Wills has done all the hard work color coding this. I'm oh. just going to rip it off. <laughs> uh, smart. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I don't know what I was going to say now. We're at the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs> you can find us on dicebreaker.com, youtube.com slash dicebreaker. You can go check out some merch on the Readpop merch store. Um, you can find the link in the description below, hopefully. Uh, you can find us around the place at Join Dicebreaker. We'll be around and we will be back next Friday at 2pm BST Live for another episode of the Dicebreaker podcast. But until then, enjoy the long bank holiday weekend if you're in the UK. Enjoy your weekend if you're anywhere else. Stay safe out there and have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye.